Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Welcome to episode 213 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of September 2017, and an episode where I'm going to be covering a show that I just went to. Now, this show is called Japan World Heroes, and I was really only familiar with a few of the people that were being brought to Japan World Heroes. If you heard us talk with Scott Zillner before to promote the show, I think they did a really great job at the convention, but I'm still not really the best person to talk about some of these celebrities that were there. So I decided to ask a good friend of mine on, Paula Gatos from the Tokusatsu Network is here. Paula, say hello. Hello. And uh, I thought it would be really awesome to have you on the show so you could help the listeners to my show understand why it was such a big deal to have some of these actors and stunt people at Japan World Heroes. Well, thanks for having me, Kyle. It's been really an honor to have to be on your podcast for a while. 200 plus? Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) To 13 now? Yeah, I I figured, like, and with all the stuff that I've recorded this year, I'm, like, set for probably another, like, 20 episodes without even thinking about, like, what am I going to do for this stuff? So I'm in good shape. You're good. You're Uh, good at this, Kyle. I'm good at backlogging is what I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and about the Tokusatsu Network and how that started. Of course. Uh, So, like Kyle said, my name is Polly Gatos. I am the founder and editor-in-chief at uh, the Tokusatsu Network. Uh, the Tokusatsu Network is a English language site for all things Tokusatsu. So that's Japanese special effects, um, entertainment, and we hope to be the premier resource for all official tokusatsu news so we make it a point to only gather news from specific resources so toei itself subaraya itself um and things like that uh one of the things that tends to happen when it comes to being such a small fandom like the tokusatsu is that there's a lot of rumors that tends to float around more oftentimes uh than not and so one of the reasons why we started tokenet was to be very adamant about giving the best possible information from all the official sources and in english and hopefully we can expand that to having a japanese language site to be launched soon and hopefully down the line have other languages as well to be able to spread the love for really fun Japanese special effects entertainment. Awesome. When did you guys start the website? Uh, We started in 2014. Um, So almost four years now, back in January. So it was kind of a New Year's uh, gift to myself (laughs) (laughs) just to start a very, very expansive website uh, talking about the things I love with some of the people that I love working with. So I, we started the site um, 2014, it was myself and, uh, six other folks at the time and they've all stayed and come and gone and brought on new staff writers and editors. Um, we've 
had our YouTube channel for uh, about right at the start. And we also had a, a podcast, which is currently taking a break right now, um, just due to the other things that we've been working on. So uh, our YouTube channel is mostly interviews that we've had with some actors and uh, producers back in Japan. So these are actors and producers that come out of series like uh, Garo with Keita Amamiya, with a common writer and Super Sentai series. We've spoken to some actors there um, and some suit actors and some producers and directors as well. So that was really fantastic for us to be able to do. No, yeah, um, totally. To have a platform to do things like that. So, so yeah. It's awesome that you can produce things like that these days and like just serve them up. I was actually just talking to somebody about how when I was like my son's age, he's like 19. I was like, you couldn't just produce something and send it out into the world and have people watch it. It's like such an amazing time to be someone who makes content these days. Mm -hmm. That was really one of the fun things about being able to start token is because not only do I get to create something that I am able to share my love for this really, really fantastic, you know, format and genre um, with other folks. I get to do it with folks who are also really good at their jobs anyway. So I, we have really, really good staff writers who, who can speak both Japanese and English. And so um, there's a lot of history of tokusatsu that we like to talk about. Um, again, I have a few staff members who are in Japan itself and they're able to, uh, request interviews and film them and be able to share them on our YouTube channel. And we were lucky enough to be able to cover Japan World Heroes itself and honored enough to be able to hold some of their pa informational panels as well about uh, tokusatsu history and uh, the close relationship between Power Rangers and Super Sentai in that franchise and what else is beyond tokusatsu more than just Kamen Rider, Kaiju, Ultraman, and Super Sentai and be able to talk about things like Metal Heroes and Garo and uh, tokusatsu for adults and live action shows and things like that. So Yeah, so earlier listeners, earlier before we actually started recording, Paula and I were talking and I mentioned something about how Kaiju are really just one facet of this sort of like multifaceted gem that is tokusatsu. And mm -hmm. I think that's really very, like, uh, it's very obvious when you look at the Tokusatsu Network website, you know, just going to that front page, I see Kamen Rider, I see Godzilla, I see Mazinger Z, I see uh, something about Gundam on here. I mean, it, really, you guys are covering, it's almost as if you're covering Japanese nerd stuff. Like, so, <laughs> so if you're, if you're, if you've ever been confused about what tokusatsu is, the Tokusatsu Network is absolutely serving it all up for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really kind of you to say, and and they, and I really appreciate it just because that it was is our goal is to be able to kind of make this. Otherwise, it's kind of like the way when anime first started, um, people didn't know what it was, or people think it's just like a weird form of animation, but it's just. Japanese animation or animation that comes out of Japan um, because Japan is a different country and it's a different culture. There are certain things that are indicative of what you be what you would consider anime. And so for us at Tokunet, um, Tokusatsu is just Japanese special effects. And as such, there's things that are indicative to Tokusatsu, like how it got its start as a as a type of um, filmmaking with Godzilla. So you have the character drama, you have 
um, the practical special effects. You have, you know, giant monsters and things like that. Um, and that kind, and those features uh, can be seen in other series like Super Sentai, like Ultraman, and things like that. And being able to highlight Tokusatsu as just another form of, you know, filmmaking that just that comes from Japan and has grown outside of that, um, and being able to share it that way is, has been has been a real honor to do, really, <laughs> and make things more approachable in that way. Well, it's great that you got to cover the Japan World Heroes show. So um, I'm just briefly recapping it for listeners who may not have heard that episode with Scott Zillner. Japan World Heroes was Scott's idea to put together this show similar to what he does with Power Morphicon, but it had, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to screw this up, the legs of the table. No, nah, I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I don't remember exactly <laughs> what he said. But basically he wanted to prop up this show with these four elements of Japanese tokusatsu and one of them was uh, Ultraman, one of them was Kaiju, one of them mm-hmm. was Kamen Rider and I think one was Super Sentai yep. and I could be, I could have gotten one of those wrong but basically that's the concept <laughs> that these you know, these pillars essentially would bring people in and lift the show up and I actually think they did a pretty good job especially for a first mm-hmm. show Paula, what did you know about Japan World Heroes before you got to the actual venue? I was pretty well versed in all of Scott Zillner's work, so to speak, because we've been covering, we had covered um, Paramorphicon since our launch at Tokenet. And I've attended Paramorphicon before just as an attendee um, around 2012. I think 2012 was like my very first Paramorphicon, either 2012 or 2010, maybe 2010. But Paramorphicon was still fairly new. I think it was only its like second or third. Uh, iteration um, during my the first time I went, so I was already pretty familiar with Scott and Paramorphicon, and so and I've been uh, in contact with Scott on and off because I see him in uh, local conventions here in LA, and so when he had announced Japan World Heroes, um, I honestly felt that it was just an extension of what he already does um, with Paramorphicon, and he's had other conventions. Um, I believe there's like a Robo. Robo toy convention and there might be a Lego brick convention. I'm not quite sure. I could be wrong, but it's, it's been kind of Scott's jam to have all these like small local conventions for very niche, um, communities. And, uh, he's brought some very big names in terms of, uh, Paramorphicon. So I had a lot of hope for Japan World Heroes itself. Um, we posted its announcement at last year's Paramorphicon. So it was a very, kind of really exciting moment for us <laughs> um, because the only other place to have in Southern California that has a really strong tokusatsu uh, fan community gathering is Paramorphicon. But because it's so Power Rangers focused, you know, that kind of gets lost a little bit. Um, but because Morphicon, I think for the past couple of years, has had has invited um, Japanese guests, uh, the want of the f- community was definitely yearning for Japan World Heroes. And so when the announcements of the guests from the banner they had was uh, Fukuzawa, who was Gamera's suit actor, um, as well as, which was was already for Tokusatsu, for Henshin Hero fans within Tokusatsu. Uh, Fukuzawa was already a big deal just because he was such a prolific Super Sentai um, suit actor. Fukuzawa himself has played this, has been in the suit for various Super Sentai Red Rangers. So Gokai Red, which was from Gokaijers, 
Um, he's done Shinken Red, uh, which was back in 2009. He was Hurricane Red, which was, I think, 2000, um, definitely before 2009. And Gao Red, which was 2001. So having Hirofumi Fukuzawa, in addition to him being Gamera, he has also been a really prolific Super Sentai suit actor. So you already get that Kaiju Henshin Heroes fandom coming in just for him. And then uh, Ben Furuya, the original suit actor for Ultraman, you get that uh, both Henshin Hero and Kaiju fans know who he is. And then when Noboru Kaneko was announced, um, he played Gao Red in Gao Rangers, which was back in 2001. That was also a very big deal because Gao, the Gao Rangers was actually a quite popular year for Super Sentai. And then a few months ago, the, one of the latest announcement was Ren Kiriyama from Kamen Rider Double. Uh, Kamen Rider Double was a series that is fairly recent within the last four or five years. And therefore, for us as Henshin Hero fans, we usually don't expect guests who come to the U.S. if uh, if they're not, say, from series that are from, you know, the, the from like the 80s or the early 90s. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You, don't, so you would expect got, somebody to be older to be showing up at one of these shows, right? Yeah. Sometimes you could expect them to be older. So the fact that we got Ren Kuriyama and Nobita Kaneko, so from a Super Sentai and a Kamen Rider, first of all, um, it was a very big deal. But the fact that they come from very recent series and two very popular series within mm. the Henshin Hero uh, fan community, it was a very big deal. Especially for Ren Kiriyama, who is still a very much an active actor. Um, he One of the things that he recently promoted while he was here as a guest for Japan World Heroes was a currently airing um, on Amazon Japan the show called Code M or Code Mirage where he plays like a, an underground cop, like basically a black-suited spook. For the government who take care of <laughs> <laughs> who take care of really, really, really shady criminal like criminal scenes. And he has all these amazing action scenes and things like that. And so he's a currently, you know, active actor. And the fact that he would come all the way to the LA for this very small fandom is is kind of incredible. And he was definitely one of the most popular guests there, I, I will have to say. Yeah, that was what I was hearing was that – so there was like one area where they had all the guests pretty much. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, who's the who's the big draw when I asked my friends who were working in the area? And mm -hmm. they were just like hands down Kiriyama. Like people mm -hmm. are just lining – he's got his own line, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, Ren Kiriyama was a very big deal to get because Common Rider W and and – is 2000, which occurred in 2009-2010, um, was really a really popular Common Rider series um, because for me it 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 was a big deal for me personally because Common Rider W was the first time I ever saw and completed a Common Rider series, and so and it it was a really really good one. It was about it's basically a a take on noir detective but for Common mm -hmm. Rider, and so. It was a lot. It was a really fun series. It was a really popular one. And for me personally, like, I was really happy to see my favorite Kamen Rider actor. No, that's one of the reasons that people like to go to these shows anyway. And the fact that I love the fact that you're on here, you could be like, yes, this is why. And this is why it was awesome is because he's my favorite Kamen Rider actor. And like, mm -hmm. I just don't have that. So for me and the people who listen to the show, like, obviously, they know about Ben Furuya 
Mm-hmm. They should. They'd better know about Ben Faria playing yeah. Ultraman, and uh, and Fukuzawa and the Gamera Three appearance now. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, it's like so far removed from the big three suit actors that we all know. You know, mm-hmm. Nakajima, Satsuma, and Kitagawa, and got as right. Godzilla. But well, like, so what's the about those suit actors as well? Because they all tend to have the same similar stories and how they come up, and they all know each other. And so even having Fukuzawa there, who may not be as uh, well-known within the kaiju suit act, like as a kaiju suit actor, he's more well-known as Super Sentai suit actor. Mm-hmm. The type of the stories of how they trained and, and, and how they work are quite similar. And they're really interesting to hear. Yeah. So did you guys get to talk to any of these people in particular for the podcast? Yes, actually, we talked to them. Um, we were very, very, very fortunate to uh, be able to set aside time to interview them individually as a video interview for our YouTube channel. So hopefully that will be available within the next, uh, definitely within the, by the end of September. So within the month, um, as we're scam- scrambling to edit them. And <laughs> what we do on Tokenet is on our YouTube channel is that we also subtitle, as you can Imagine all of our, most of our interviews are in Japanese. So we do subtitle them in English for everybody. So that also takes up a lot of time. Yes. Um, even, even though we have, we do have a translator there, um, at the time to help with the interviews. Um, it just helps us as well because a lot of our, some of our, um, audience too for our channel is, is mostly, um, folks in Japan. So being able to keep it, uh, mostly in Japanese has been pretty helpful. Um, but anyway, but we were very fortunate enough to talk to each of them individually. I personally wasn't able to interview them myself as, like I said, we were also fortunate enough to do some of the paneling there. So while I was, uh, helping with the panels and the rest of my team were filming the interviews. Um, but we got a lot of, some of the things that we got to talk to them about are namely how they got started um, with acting, how they got talk about their audition process, and some of the things that they mentioned too during the panels, their, their Q&A panels um, with the rest of the audience. So one of the most notable things that happened during our talks with them is that each interview that we had has a really funny kind of memorable moment in them in that uh, Fukuzawa when he was talking about uh, when we were getting ready for the interview, um, he was looking through one of the books um, our staff member was was looking at, and he seemed so excited with seeing all the different suits, the Super Sentai suits that were in the the photo book that he was being shown. And he was all like, oh, I played that guy. I played that guy. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Me. That's right. That's me. Oh, and then we asked him, like, are you in the suit? It's like, no, somebody else usually uh, is in the suit posing for these, like, uh, they often have, like, photo books or most, or magazine books. So, so often you'll see them listed as MOOCs, M O O K. Um, but th- there's a lot of MOOCs <laughs> for kind of just uh, photo books for uh, different different tokusatsu shows. So he was looking through one of them and and saying who he played. And he he noted that sometimes it's not him in that suit for those photos, but mm-hmm. he will say, though, oh yeah, I, I played that person. I played that person. I played that person. Um, and Noboru and, Kaneko and Fukuzawa were essentially like the two sides of that yes. same character, right? Like mm-hmm. so, no, um, yes. Kaneko he, would be the face. Kaneko, and, yes. Yeah. Kaneko was the face actor. And Fukuzawa was his counterpart, his Gaoled counterpart. So it was really, really great to see them together and talk about their experiences. And they had a professional green screen photo shoot that you can purchase. And they would often have both Kaneko-san and Fukuzawa-san together um, for that. 
Speaking of Conoco, he did tell this fantastic story during this Q&A, his Q&A panel about memorable moments he had because in Super Sentai series, they'll often, especially, yes, but Common Rider and Super Sentai series, they'll often have what's called kind of anniversary movies. So mm-hmm. every, uh, every spring or every, yeah, mostly every spring, they'll have a big mashup of crossover movies. So sometimes the Super Sentai series of the year will cross over with the Common Rider series of the year. Or what they'll also do is bring back, uh, have an anniversary show where they will bring back older actors from previous series. And so one of the anniversary shows, uh, anniversary movies, Kaneko talked about, it was really great seeing all the young kids and it brought back a lot of memories. And there were folks who uh, he remembered working as like, production assistants and interns are now that the anniversary series, like actual directors and producers. So it was for him, it was really, really lovely to see. And one of the things that he talked about was in Super Sentai, you would do this thing. If you ever notice, like in older shows, they would, you know, run up and kind of do like a very prominent pose, like a look around, stop, stop very quickly. And it's a very hard uh, gesture, like a very firm stop. Okay. Stop, hero pose, look around. So kind of think of it as like the superhero landing. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So they would get to one point and then like land or for Super Sentai, they would run, run to the edge of the cliff, pause and take a look around. So that would be kind of like your hero stop. Okay, gotcha. It's like, it's like oh, it's you. Like, it's it's me and I'm taking a look around and I'm the hero. So it's a very like uh, firm beat. So you run and you stop. And then... So that was called the Sentai stop. So he would run and stop. So that was kind of like the 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 style uh, back in the 2000s and the 80s and things like that. Um, and so when he came back to the anniversary show to to film his kind of like I, I'm an anniversary Super Sentai, he had to basically do the same thing: run to the edge of this cliff, stop and look around. So that would be like his introduction, like "Ooh, Gal Red is here." Um, in this new this new uni- new Super Sentai universe, so he did the same thing. He ran up to the edge of a cliff and just did his Sentai stop, and then they cu- they all cut, and the producer comes up to him and goes, "Can you do it normally?" <laughs> 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 so he was like, "Oh, the new kids don't do the Sentai stop. They stop. Oh." <laughs> <laughs> and so he told him, "I was like, I was a little sad. They no longer do the Sentai stop." But it was one of the things that he was very fond. He he told the story very fondly. It's like, oh, these kids. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was a very yeah. So you get a lot of stories like that. One of the things I remember from Ben Furia as well, I was helping to set up Ben Furia's interview with Tokenet was that um, because often what I would do is just like kind of drop my staff off to set up for the interview and then go run somewhere else um, to run a panel or to set up for the next interview. But when I dropped the folks off, uh, Furia-san was there. And as we were setting things up, he out of basically four big Japanese guests that were there, he was probably the one that had the most old Hollywood aura around him he was in a what he was in a full suit every time oh yeah last time i saw him he was in a completely white suit uh open open shirt it was very lovely he was always wearing sunglasses (laughs) indoors um and he called him he was very from what my staff members have told me he was 
very much a jokester in terms of like he ta- he he'd like to think of himself as a Japanese James Dean. That's the kind of like old school style that he likes. Oh yeah, he loves to- James Dean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> James mm-hmm. Dean is his spirit animal. Yeah, basically. And so one of the things that I I remember being told to me was that as soon as he found out that we were going to have a video interview, he paused for a second, just went, give me a moment, took off the sunglasses he already had, switched them up for darker ones because of the light (laughs) and the way (laughs) I was. So for me, I'm like, okay, he's just a classic old Hollywood style type of dude. And I really appreciated that from him. Um, And Ren Kiriyama, who I said by far was our most popular, was probably the most popular guest there. Um, I think he was just, it felt like he was overwhelmed and not, and and I could say that for all of them, not realizing just how popular, you know, the shows are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, speaking of like kind of old school rock star, he was kind of giving off that vibe as well. And during his Q&A panel, he talked about, one of the questions has always been like, how'd you get your start? things like that. And he talked about he was a musician first and he was a bassist for a band first. And he basically got into acting just to, you know, get into it. And he got into Common Rider and grew up watching Common Rider and, you know, has tried out for other series before. And I believe Common Rider Double was basically his last shot. Like, I'm just going to give it one more shot. And if I don't get it, I'm not going to try or I'm not going to, you know, pursue it because he, he felt like he might be too old for for the series. Um and so he talked about because Common Rider Double had a lot to do with uh, was like a partnership. It was basically like two detectives in one. Um, and so he he did a lot of auditions with the various person who would basically play his partner mm-hmm. um, in the series. So he talked about that. And we had a really interesting brief conversation after the interview about how different chai tea lattes are from America and Japan. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And he was just talking about, it's like, yeah, in in the United States, chai tea is like very rich and flavorful. And and in Japan, it's a lot lighter. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with my favorite common writer. This is insane. Um, (laughs) But which does he prefer? (laughs) But which does he prefer? (laughs) <laughs> he did. He didn't say that he preferred one or the other. He just said that they were different. So, which I can appreciate. No, totally. Very totally. Um, so yeah. So hopefully those interviews will be posted um, within the month uh, and get them edited because there's a lot of stories in there that cool. we'd love to share. Hearing these celebrities tell their tales uh, is honestly like why I I think I'm still doing the podcast game. You know, like. Oh. Coming in and like being able to ask these celebrities, like you said, like where did they get their start or what drives them to continue mm-hmm. acting or what did they do between series A and series B? You know, those are the kinds of things that I find almost more interesting than than stuff I hear from their them being on set and stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, I got I mean, I unfortunately didn't get to interview too many people. I was part of the Q&A. moderating team for the Q&A for... Um, for Fukuzawa, but I got a great interview out of Furuya as well. Just a, like a side interview when, on that last day, which was so good. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to actually edit that and put that one together. That's a good, can't be a good one. Wait to listen to it. That'd be great. So I'm wondering, uh, some of the other guests that were there, TJ storm, who we talked about in that, uh, that episode with Scott Zillner, he's basically a motion capture 
not just motion capture though. He is essentially like a stunt actor mm-hmm. and he has done motion capture and we were talking about it in terms of him being the motion capture actor for Godzilla, Legendary's 2014 Godzilla. Uh but he has done a lot more stuff. I mean, he's got a like a 60 plus roster on IMDb. Mhm. I was told that if he was late for any reason for anything like that, it was because he was still teaching classes, like martial arts classes and stuff and acting classes <laughs> before the the before the conventional itself. So he's very much an active member in the filmmaking industry here in terms of um, stunts and and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, if you can do the stunt work, why not get paid to have dots on your body do it too? <laughs> <laughs> you want all that big stunt work, so of course. <laughs> he actually goes way back. Um, I never have seen any of the Sentai stuff or the Henshin stuff before I really started getting into Ultraman a few years ago, but he was Doom Master in the VR Troopers TV show back in 1995. <laughs> oh, that's right. So he has a pretty deep connection to Tokusatsu as well, I would say. Yeah, and... We had a panel at Japan World Heroes that talked about Beyond Superhero Time. And Superhero Time is the uh, a Japanese programming block, kind of like Saturday morning cartoons or like uh, TGIF or mm-hmm. Fox Kids, those, gotcha, those kind of programming yeah. blocks. So Superhero Time is basically the block for Super Sentai and Kamen Rider. So they're, they're shown back to back. I think it's on the TPS network uh, in Japan. But yeah. So we had a panel called Beyond Superhero Time, basically beyond Kamen Rider and Super Sentai, which most folks think of when they think of henshin heroes. And so Metal Heroes was one of the things that we touched upon. And it's basically another Toei franchise. And most people know Space Sheriff Gavon mm-hmm. or um, Kakaider is also part of that kind of uh, Metal Heroes genre. Um, and And yeah, and that's where they get the original footage from... Uh, for VR troopers. So it's one of those that's like that close connection to how they, how each kind of cross pollinates one another. (laughs) That, that makes it kind of really interesting. It's a very, when you know where all the Venn diagrams are, it's a fun thing to watch or really fun thing to see. Totally. Uh, and then of course we, we got a surprise announcement, Dore Krause, yeah, was announced. Was I want to say like the week before. Yeah, like the week before the show or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now I had not heard of Dore Kraus before, but when I saw his photo and the, of course, title of what he is known for, which is Ultraman Towards the Future, that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Because my very first introduction to Ultraman was the very first episode of Ultraman Towards the Future back. When I was like in college and like I was hanging out with people like trading weird VHS tapes, that was one of the ones that came across my machine. And so I had never gone back to it. But the fact that like Krauss was like announced literally at the last minute was pretty awesome. Did you guys get to talk to him at all? We approached him and we didn't know whether he was even taking interviews or anything like that, or even if he had a panel um, at the time, because it was like I said, like we said, like it was an uh, announcement a week before. So we weren't sure whether he was even available for stuff like that. But we came out to his table and he was more than cordial. So we might send him a couple of questions to post on Tokenet later on. Um, but we did. He did have a panel, a very brief one. Um, and he just talked about his experiences in filming Towards the Future and Though I don't have the specific things of he said off the top of my head, really, um, because another one of my staff members was taking notes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what Krauss was 
more focused on it's like it was a very difficult filming experience um namely just because it was a um co-produced by Subaraya and the South Australian um film corporation and he namely just talked about like how kind of the differences between Australian filmmaking and Japanese filmmaking where um, the Japanese filmmaking industry uh, filmmakers would just like want to go, 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 go and not take a break. And Australian filmmakers were just like, ah, let's, let's chill for a little bit. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, let's have a beer. I think we'll be okay. So he talked about kind of where, where that rub tends to be uh, in terms of filmmaking. And he did talk about, um, eventually retiring out here in Southern California, which would understand why it was such a last minute get because he lives about two hours away from LA. So it was really fun to be able to talk to him about working in the film industry. And and he ran into one of, I think his co-star, who was the, if you remember who the girl was, Gia. Mm, I'm about to find out. Gia Carides? Um, Is that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he said he ran into her while taking a hike in LA and they're like, hey, and they just like ran into each other. <laughs> and he told the story about how it was at one point he had during filming of Towards the Future, he had to, I think, carry her for a little bit because she was covered in like this weird thing and she just kept slipping out of his hands. And after a while, she was making such a big fuss about it that he kind of just lets her drop at one point. <laughs> <laughs> while carrying her. So he told a lot of stories like that. Um, and But he was very inspirational. There was a couple of folks who asked him questions like, well, how'd you get into film acting? And what would you have to say about if you want someone to, to work in the industry? And so he was very inspiring. Um, some of the young folks who were there who he's like, you know what? It's your craft. You got to be seen. You got to work hard. So it was nice for him to be able to say that. Um, despite some of the difficulties that he was talking about while filming. True, true. I mean, I, I assume that a lot of that filming, the stunt acting, that's going to be, that's going to yeah. generate terrible stories, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming, like, there, he was also talking about, like, sometimes, he's, he wasn't in the suit, per se. They had another, they had another guy who was a lot beefier um, oh. get into that suit, because he thought he was going to be in the suit, but he was he, he for him it was pleasantly surprised that he that he was not he was the face actor and so but yeah a lot of he just expressed some like difficulties in in terms of scheduling and it was a really hard shoot um and things like that yeah wow right on yeah see this is why i should know this guy more because i didn't even research his name so he played <laughs> jack okay so anyway, uh, the last thing I thought I wanted to talk about really was this uh, Fujiyama Ichiban. Oh, um, yeah. Because like, I didn't really, I, I was sort of like doing my research before Japan World Heroes on mm -hmm. the different actors and so forth and what they were doing. And then I mm -hmm. came across the Fujiyama Ichiban name and I was mm -hmm. just kind of like, I don't, I don't know what to expect here. I'm not, I'm not sure what to expect at the show based off of the description that Scott gave. It was a little nebulous on the website. So like what, did, when you saw that name show up, what did you th imagine the impact would be on the show? Um, for Fujiyama Ichiban in particular, it was, it was, for me, it was a kind of a no brainer that they were going to be there. Um, Fujiyama Ichiban is a locally based Tokusatsu production. And it's basically started by this man named Michi Yamato. Um, he was the suit actor 
for Masked Rider, basically when Kamen Rider Black got adapted as Masked Rider here in the U.S. So if you saw Power Rangers, you may have also seen Masked Rider a few episodes here and there. That was Michi Yamato in that suit, in the American production of that suit. So as you know, they adapt um, some in Power Rangers and any Saban adaptations of Toei shows. See that Venn diagram? You can yeah, yeah. figure out where you're going. <laughs> They'll have some of the original footage from the show that they're adapting and partnered with the live action shows. But also they will bring some of the suits over from the original show so that they can film new footage for the American version. Um, and so Michi Yamato was the suit actor for the American production of Masked Rider. He also was a stunt director for Beetleborgs and things like that. So Michi and Michi also came out of the same, as I mentioned before, he came out of the same uh, stunt acting Japan action club uh, circle that Fukuzawa also came out of. So I think you were when you were interviewing Fukuzawa, he brought in Michi Yamato as well to talk about it because they still kind of have that deferential Japanese uh, social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. No matter what, Fukuzawa will always be deferential to Michi Yamato. And but Michi's been nothing but amazing towards Fukuzawa as well. So they have a really close relationship, and you get the both of them talking about you know suit a- stunt and suit acting. It's mm-hmm. the greatest conversation to overhear <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be a part of. Um, because they will just talk about, oh, that was, yeah, that was a that was a difficult one. That was really fun and things like that. So Michi Yamato decided also because he wanted to kind of expand, to share kind of that Japanese culture with American audiences and specifically through tokusatsu. So he, Fujiyama Ichiban first started as a kind of a local magazine. Like he would write comics about kids, take care of like the environment and turn off the lamp, like turn off the lights uh, using them. So it's a very environmentally friendly, you know, comic. And it grew into a live action stunt show, which Michi and his uh, group Samurai Action Club perform kind of during local local Japanese American festivals um, here in Southern California. So they'll do things around uh, Nisei Week. Uh, Nisei Week is basically a Japanese-American second-generation um, festival Okay, uh, cool. that happens every year in Los Angeles in the little Tokyo area. So Fujiyama Ichiban would uh, go there and perform kind of a live-action show. So you have heroes named Sun Tayo. Tayo is also the Japanese word for sun, so S-U-N, Tayo. So it's, his name is Sun Sun. Okay. <laughs> um, which is really fun. Who transform into this hero, Fujiyama Ichiban. And this hero, like, F- Michi was able to connect with the same uh, uh, manufacturers for Super Sentai and Kamen Rider uh, hero suits to create the design for Fujiyama Ichiban. Which was really fantastic. Those suits are gorgeous. They're beautiful. Um, You may have seen them while you're at Japan World Heroes walking around. So one looks like it has solar panels on his armor because it's a sun and it's environmental friendly solar power um, kind of message. Another one is – so he represented kind of the sun – Michi wanted to, to expand Japanese culture. So Fujiyama Ichiban is the main hero with the solar panel. So that's the Japanese sun. Sakura Ichiban is a design with the Sakura leaves. So that's also indicative of Japanese culture. Um, and then they have Nich- Ninja Ichiban, which is um, 
Ninja. <laughs> There's really yeah. no other explanation <laughs> for that. Um, but yeah, they're kind of like, for him, they were kind of the three pillars of Japanese culture that Michi wanted to share. So he created this whole story um, for the live show, and then he turned it into a YouTube show. Um, so there's a, there's, you could look it up on YouTube, it's called, uh, look up Fujiyama Ichiban on YouTube. And now that was kind of like his first season. And then, um, he's now creating a second season that kind of has a darker, more, uh, more adult tone to Fujiyama Ichiban and really expanding on like that father son dynamic sometimes, um, of the soften scene and, and Henshin heroes and Tokusatsu. So, yeah, um, what else has Michi done? So Michi's oh, done man. work for sounds, sounds like a, he's doing a lot of work, which is awesome. That's really yeah. cool. He's he's done work for you know like the Saban side of Power Rangers and and Mast Rider, and he was actually what what I remember now. He also was uh, one of the stunt actors for Bioman, uh, which was in the nineteen eighties, so back in Japan. So Michi Yamato has a very very big roster. Um, and Tokenet was really fortunate enough to be able to cover some of his, some of Fujiyama Ichiban's work, um, on our website. So we have a really nice relationship to be able to chat with him and, and talk to him about some of the stuff that he's done and some of the work that, that inspires him. You should totally send me some links to that stuff. Absolutely. So I could definitely point the listeners directly to what we're talking about. Cause that would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. M- Michi's fantastic to talk to and like i said he's very um he's very approachable and if you're in southern california just ask him about anything when it comes to suit acting and and japanese culture and filmmaking um he was very uh it was very open to talk about stunts but he is very old school japanese in terms of like he doesn't like to talk about any injuries or any more difficult Mm -hmm. teas that happen during filming um Although everyone knows that happens. Um, but yeah, he's very, very, very open to sharing tokusatsu in the world. And Fujiyama Ichiban itself, this, the, their live action is fantastic. And everybody, uh, the, peop- the folks who are with him are actually those in the suit um, performing those stunts. And they're hard and they're amazing to see. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, sometimes that makes me feel like I should be down in L.A. when I hear about all the cool things that <laughs> you guys have going on down there. Uh, but I'm cool yeah. up here in Portland. <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> so uh, actually, you know what? There is another thing I wanted to talk about specifically hmm. in the programming of the show. And that was something that I I sort of walked into uh, the panel room to help out with some microphone stuff. And there was a, a group doing their panel on the mystic mm-hmm. cosmic patrol. Yes. And I had never heard of it before, but they were showing video and I was actually, I was fairly intrigued and impressed at how well it was done. Uh, what do you know about mystic cosmic patrol? Uh, mystic cosmic patrol is basically a, a, a comedy parody of what we know, what henshin heroes are oh, specifically super sentai and power rangers. So, um, or even like things like Voltron or or Robotech and things like that. Like giant robot, you have a team of folks out in space, um, and it's kind of a parody of of that genre. Um, it's basically started by this guy named Gavin Hicknight, uh, who is a I, think, I believe is a writer for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series. Um, and it stars a couple of folks whom I think you recognize. And one was from Malcolm in the Middle. Um, oh, yeah. And I can't remember the other one. So it was uh, 
Christopher Masterson, who played yes. um, in Malcolm in the Middle. He was uh, Malcolm's brother, Francis, the mm-hmm. one who was always getting in trouble at the in the uh, military school. And then Tim Russ, who played Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. Yes, 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 yes. Tim Russ. That's right. Uh, so he play- Tim Russ basically plays the Zordon figure or the mentor figure um, in Mystic Cosmic Patrol in the series. Um, and Chris uh, plays kind of like that cocky uh drinks all the time party going guy uh there's one in every team um and so yeah so it it basically parodies that dynamic and it's the they screened a full episode um at japan world heroes which was incredibly funny um actually because they will they will have uh they they did a kind of a time travel episodes so you have little uh they had one of the characters come back one of the characters older selves would went back in time and they had like uh a small little riff about whether to call old uh they want to call them old or future it's all like i prefer old i prefer future (laughs) future red ranger it's like uh so old red ranger they're like wait so it's kind of like that really fun riff. Um, and they're folks who are actual fans of the superhero genre. They talked about watching Super Sentai and Power Rangers. And they're also local to Little Tokyo. So there's a little bit of like L.A. Um, insider jokes in which they had uh, in the episode they were talking about going to a Japanese like hot dog fusion place and it was like okay <laughs> people people who have hoity-toity foodie friends will laugh at this because there's always one place someone's um, always got to go to the uh, japanese twist hot dog place right yeah right and so but yeah so they're basically they have like a short micro season and release kind of in one to two parters uh every thursday on funnier or die so if you have a funnier or die account definitely check them out and vote them up yeah, I was actually really surprised at how funny and, like I said, well done it was. It uh, I would absolutely watch more of that. Yeah, they they've had folks. Who, they have artists who design the suits and create the suits. They have a, the I will say like the first couple of episodes. If you're squeamish about any laboratorial jokes, that first couple of episodes might not be for you. Yeah, there's one called Potty Mouth. So yeah, Potty Mouth. It's and he's pretty. He's pretty gross. <laughs> like, not gonna lie, it was it was pretty gross. Um, they are but doing it, like but standard were, tokusatsu stuff in these shows. Yeah, yeah, there there are. So they have like they had the episode that they showed had time bats. So you have those ridiculous. You're basically fighting against puppets. And if you're ever if you're into tokusatsu, that stuff is always there. Like why? And even if you're thing in. Uh, into things like Doctor Who or something like that. I remember one of the interviews that Peter Cabaldi was talking about. It's like, how did you feel like you were a Doctor Who show? And he's like, well, they handed me a bat, like a big plastic bat, <laughs> and then or rat or something like that. And they just told me, fight it. And I'm just holding it. And he's like, okay, I'm in a Doctor Who show. That's kind of the thing for, for Tokusatsu and Super Sentai. Like, you're fighting really ridiculous monsters yeah (laughs) uh yeah so so i definitely would absolutely suggest people check that out if they can um i just really briefly maybe wanted to cover like the artists that they brought over like or Mm -hmm. that are are part of the uh are part of la already like sunny seki peach bomoko and shintaro kago now those were names that i had not really heard 
before the show or before I started talking to Scott about it. But mm-hmm. at the show, I was really blown away by Sonny Seki's work. He does mm-hmm. these um, these like kids books, English language kids books on Japanese yokai and mm-hmm. not all yokai. Some of them was like a, folklore and yeah, folklore. So, and things like that. So he had one about the kappa, one about Daruma and uh, had a couple more. I think one was about the Norneko cat. The, oh, the come hither cat? The, the good yeah, look come hither cat? The good look cat. And yeah, it just it looked really cool. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I really don't want to be spending money at this show, but I'm going to have to come back and get one of these books because they're <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they're, Sunny Seki himself is pretty well known, um, especially in the Nisei Japanese American community here. Um, like I said, Nisei Festival happens every year in celebration of, you know, first, second generation, et cetera, um, Japanese Americans and little Tokyo, if that's, that gives away anything. Um, it's a very high Japanese American population and we have the Japanese American National Museum there as well. And so Sunny Seki himself is pretty well known in that community, in the Japanese American community and just in general here in LA for that reason. He is an amazing artist and the, the children's book that he creates are yeah he's a very much a prolific children's book creator and they, it makes things like japanese uh folklore and and mythology really approachable even for folks who are just getting into uh japanese pop culture so it's one of those things where like he was also a no-brainer for japan world heroes because a lot of tokusatsu a lot of those monsters and you know things that you fight most of them will come from folklore uh oh yeah for sure there have been some really weird i mean i don't even watch the shows but i've seen some really weird like monster guys like demons and yokai and totally those kind of ideas um i think oh i think it was Either oh, Kaku Ranger. Kaku Ranger was uh, early. It was an early '90s um, Super Sentai series, and their whole fight was against yokai. And there are various different kinds of yokai. There was one. There was a really weird one where it was they were a married couple yokai, but one was like a demon, and the other one was like a. Well, they were both demons, and one had like a really long head, and she would like go after children who run away from home and stuff like that. So, you know, stuff like that, that shows up in, you know, series like Cocker Ranger or Zoo Ranger, um, who was, was kind of Zoo Ranger is, is the Mighty Morphin was what turned into Mighty Morphin here in the States. Um, the, the Zoo Ranger originally, or their whole theme was kind of a fairy tale and with uh, Bandora or Rita Repulsa is kind of like the big bad witch. So, um, so yeah, stuff that having Sunny Seki with even having, you know, why does he, why is he here? There's, he's only doing children's books and blah, blah, blah. Completely get that out of your head for anybody who made a comment about that, because even being able to read some of that original work and make it as approachable as he does will be, will help kind of enrich your watching experience when it comes to watching Toku. So what about uh, Peach Momoko? Because you said something about potentially getting a commission. Uh, yeah. Uh, Peach Momoko, I knew her name, um, namely because there is various uh, pop culture galleries here in Los Angeles. And not to help with 
you're feeling, oh, there's so many cool stuff in LA that I have to go to. Um, but there are so, there's a lot of uh, pop culture galleries like uh, Gallery 1988, um, Gallery Nucleus, that's a lot of animators going there, showing their, um, doing a lot of work there. And there's also one called uh, Hero Complex Gallery, which I think Peach Momoko is a prominent artist in that collective. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so she her work is incredibly beautiful. Like one of it's one of the there are very few artists where I can say that their work is just hands down beautiful. Um, the details that she has in her work and her line work and her ink is they're very delicate and just beautifully shaded. And there was basically no way for me not to ask for a commission. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I hope to commission her in designing some of, uh, in, in doing kind of a fan art of, uh, one of my favorite characters from the Garo series. And the Garo series is, uh, that adult late night series created by Keita Amamiya, um, who's done other, who's really prolific in, in, other works and design and design character work. Um, basically, if you look up Keita Amamiya, like he, I believe he was on your show, was he? Well, not yet, actually. Not so yet. what's going to happen is we're going to be doing like a sort of uh, Amamiya primer so that people who've never heard of him before, they'll be able to uh, understand what we're talking about during the interview. But we'll oh, have like an episode yeah. that sort of talks about like, these are the, you know, this is Moon Over Tau. This is Zeram. This is that kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. So someday soon, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So when you do talk about that, um, folks will be able to look him up and his work on online. So if you've seen, you know, shows like Jetman or, or yeah, like I said, Garo, G-A-R-O. Um, he has very kind of inkbrush, a lot of... Uh, traditional style uh work and peach momoko's work is very similar to that as well so i wanted i wanted to commission her to get something from one of his characters uh, with her work so hopefully i get to do that um but yeah she her work is is incredibly detailed as is um i think one of the other guests from japan world heroes um koga no shintaro kago yeah kago yeah his yeah he so i didn't uh this is another name i was unfamiliar with um, but according to, oh, this is so terrible to say out loud, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> his style, which I saw at the show, is called fashionable paranoia. <laughs> but he, it's a lot of body horror. Yeah, and, weird and so, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Weird, almost like weird pinup drawings, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think for for all three of the artists um, who were there, who may not be as so obviously tokusatsu, um, they all come from Japanese pop culture anyway. And uh, some of the work is very indicative of that kind of enriches whatever else was going on um, during Japan World Hero. So it was really great to have them there. Absolutely. So in sort of like concluding this talk, what was your favorite thing that happened or favorite thing that you saw at Japan World Heroes? I think the favorite the favorite thing I saw um was hands down the cosplay because there were so many folks who brought their henshin hero cosplay and those suits are not they're not cold. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're very, very hot to be in. Not very and breathable, so, and, I'm assuming. Yeah, they're very cool, but they're definitely not literally cool. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
And so it was really great to see that. Um, and plus, there was also a vendor there called Sentai Jackets, where they would uh, have original uh, from pre- premium Bandai, basically the high-end um, Bandai merchandise. They would sell uh, official replica of uh, the civilian suits that some of their henshin heroes um, gotcha, gotcha. would be wearing. So they had like a whole line of that there. And I was just like, why don't I have X amount of dollars to purchase one of these right now? Um, <laughs> so there was that. It was really great to see. And for me, well, what was the best part about it? Like we were, like I said, we were very fortunate to have, to be able to interview the, uh, uh, the guests that were there. I was really fortunate to do some of the panels there and, the way since we were doing three panels at Japan World Heroes, we kind of set it up so that each panel will uh, will correlate to the other one. So the first panel we had was a introduction to Tokusatsu. So mm-hmm. we did a Tokusatsu one on one, and then the next panel was Tokusatsu being adapt uh, the origins of the Japanese origins of Power Rangers and literally how that went from because one from the other, um, namely in uh, how Marvel and Toei had a right-sharing um, deal, especially, which I feel is effective right now because as most maybe comic, comic book folks know, DC and Marvel have the copyright holding to the word superhero. Well, there's a third company there that also has the rights to that because they could use it in Japan, which is the reason why... Toei is allowed to have something called superhero time. Oh. So it's, and so we got to talk about um, that and, you know, the Japanese origins of Power Rangers, which stems all the way back from Spider Man's giant robot. And the reason why we have giant robots uh, in Super Sentai. Change. Exactly. Because of that right sharing thing. So we got to talk about that. And then at the very end, we got to talk about stuff beyond superhero time and beyond kaiju. So, and what was really, really fun for me to see or really encouraging for me to see was we saw, you know, like parents and their, their, you know, teenage and tween children or even younger come to all three panels to listen to us. That is talk super about cool. these things and the not and you know I saw parents nodding and like the kids taking note. I'm like, okay, this this feels amazing to be able to share this. And um, during Fu uh, Bin Furuya's panel, um, there was a there was a girl there. She could not have been more than like four years old, four or five. And he was she was I heard or uh, they heard her parent just tell her like, oh, that's the original Ultraman you know, suit actor. And she like turned to her mom going, this is so exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so for us, I was like, yes, we're making new fans. So that, that was so, that was really, 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 yeah, really encouraging. Little validation and, for you. Yeah. Especially like that, again, that was the whole point of Tokunet in the first place. Like we want to make this as we want to give you the best possible information from all the official sources so that you can share this kind of fun, fun little piece of media to your friends and make new fans and things like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of friends, I was going to say that my favorite thing about Japan World Heroes. I, I guess I, what I would say is even going down to the show, you know, I didn't know what to expect. So I was sort of like uh, a silver line thing sometimes. I'm like, well, if mm-hmm. the show isn't like super great for me, at least I'll get to hang out with my friends because I have right. so many people that I know down in LA that like giant monster stuff. And, oh, and, yeah. uh, and I was just so happy that 
The show was fantastic. I had a great time at the show. I had a great time hanging mm-hmm. out with my friends. I had a great time meeting new people. Oh, and- my gosh. Yeah, being able to meet. It was one of those moments I think that people have at specific conventions, depending on – like you find you find your tribe, so to speak. For sure, and J- yeah. Japan World Heroes, very much kind of like G-Fest, uh, where – like I said, like both you and I were talking about, remember, even at the show, like G-Fest is definitely for, duh, the kaiju fans. It's like, like kaiju giant monsters and things like that, which is one of many parts of what Tokusatsu General as a whole. And if Japan World Heroes kind of becomes the Henshin Heroes kind of part of that. So you have two very wonderful cons to be able to meet and spend time with folks who get you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think Scott said that uh, Scott that it did well enough that he's going to do another one. I don't know if the, the announcement has been made official yet. Um, he did post uh, it. Japan World Heroes Facebook set, post "See You in 2019." So just like Morphicon, it'll happen every biannually. So it happen every two years. Um, so hopefully next 2019 will be just as good, if not better. That would be amazing. And uh, thank you again, by the way, for all your help at the show and watching my table when I had to <laughs> take a quick break. <laughs> thank you for giving me a place to sit. Oh, yeah. My, I was absolutely running around worth it. so much at the show. <laughs> <laughs> and making sure, like, because I, like I said, um, Tokenet has a, a, a pretty solid staff that flew out for Japan Road Hero specifically for some of them specifically came for Ben Furuya. Some of them specifically came for Ren Kuriyama. And some of them specifically came just because it was cool. Um, <laughs> right on. But well, it was it definitely was, cool. Yeah, it was definitely me just going. It's like everybody have like water. Is everybody like everybody knows where they're going? Everybody have the interview questions. Everybody have their panel notes. Everybody know who they are. I was very much a mother hand. The yeah, whole the, time. the like, network mom, the, the network mom for the Tokusatsu network. Oh my God, but yeah, but I'm so yeah. That was another thing. I was really glad to hear that the folks who were part of Tokenet had a good time as well. And we have. Um, I think one of one of our uh, staffers has his own YouTube channel and we all did a what's called the Q-Tama dance because the recent series of every series in Super Sentai kind of has a fun little dance for kids um, to do. So we did this year's dance and you can find that on YouTube if you are inclined. Oh, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I'll make sure to include but yeah, it. There's a moment where all of Team Token is there dancing to that dance. So it was, yeah, that was really gratifying. It was really, really, really nice to see everyone and everyone getting along and everyone having a good time. It was really nice. It was really nice. And I hope to have a really nice experience at the next show as well. Mm-hmm. And I hope to see you at uh, future Monster Paloozas as well, because I'll be yes. continuing going down to those shows too. Yeah, it'll be great to see you. We but, definitely need to go hang out post-con, too. Yes, there need to be post, uh, post-con mealing happening. By the way, I had an amazing time at that Gyukaku place, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was awesome for me. <laughs> but next time, you can take me to a good place. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not knocking it. I still go to McDonald's every once in a while. Like, sure. not going to lie. Like, I will 100%, like tear down a Big Mac and now that they serve like all day breakfast I will get it with like an egg sure because, like it's delicious so yeah Gyukaku is like not knocking it either I love that place <laughs> that was great anyway uh, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your amazing time at uh, Japan World Heroes this has been great thank you so much for inviting me it was really really fun
I'm so glad Paula could help share the experience of being at Japan World Heroes. I'm really looking forward to 2019's show, so maybe I'll see some of you guys there. In the meantime, I wanted to mention this at the end of the episode. I meant to have this one online much sooner, but a series of impactful events sort of occupied my time. First, like the day after I recorded this interview with Paula, veteran actor Yoshio Tsuchiya passed away. That is another incredible loss to Godzilla fans. And, you know, he was actually my favorite Toho actor. Um, he was the controller of Planet X and many, many amazing characters in these films. And he will be really missed. I have actually been reviewing all the footage from the group interview from Hail to the King and will be posting a video with some of his stories that were cut from the documentary. I'm still working on that, but hopefully it should be up soon. Secondly, Rose City Comic Con happened and Keith Foster came up and we tabled together. So there was a Kadoja Kaiju Cast presence at the show. Uh, apparently, we had one of the only tables that had anything Godzilla on it, except for like Artist Alley stuff. So it was really kind of cool to hear people come by. And it was almost like the show destined us to be like the Kaiju HQ of Rose City Comic Con. It was pretty rad. We had a panel called Expanding the Legendary Monsterverse that attendees said they enjoyed, so that will make it into a podcast somewhat soon. We also had our now annual listener party at the Downtown Killer Burger here in Portland. We had a great turnout for that. It is always great to hang out and get some food and drinks with some kaiju fiends. Uh, so that was all awesome. But last night, I was informed that Basil Gogos had passed away. Now, I don't really consider myself a competent enough fan of his work to really eulogize the man in any way that would like honor his legacy, but I had the pleasure of meeting him at Fear Festival in 2014 and several times after that at like various monster paloozas. And if you don't know who he is, if you don't know that name, he painted so, so many of those covers for famous monsters of Filmland back in like the early days of the magazine. My Facebook feed today has just been completely filled with his paintings, and it's actually been a really lovely way to sort of wake up this morning and just like be basically bathed in his artwork via the light coming from my my iPhone. So rest in peace, Basil Gogos. Uh, anyway, uh, I know we're in for a lot more loss in the future, you guys. It is inevitable. But let's not think about that. Let's look to the future. Let's look positively to the future, to the end of this month, in fact, with our upcoming Daikaiju discussion for The Last Dinosaur. Now, if you have not turned in your homework, please make sure to do that before September 22nd, and we'll include your thoughts, questions, and reviews in the discussion episode. Now, if you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to kaijucast.com, where you can see everything that the podcast is about. Everything we've ever done is on the KaijuCast website. At least everything we've done for the KaijuCast is on the KaijuCast website. You can find every episode, the full schedule of Daikaiju discussions. You can find links to our friends' websites where we get a lot of our news from. And you can find links to our social media websites, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, etc. Anyway, we're going to close the show with the ending track to Monster Zero. We'll see you for the next episode. So until then... Ja, Mata. Ja.